his commands and principles. They were not hearing. They were not trusting him. It made me think about, as we're going through the word of God, we're listening to faithful instructions. Faithful instructions on how to live our life according to God's will, to glorify him in everything we do and say. Last week we looked at the the sower, and the sower at that time when it was written, who was that? Anybody? Jesus Christ. In the beginning of chapter 8 it said that Jesus was proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. Preaching, the Greek word is the source of the English words evangelize and evangelism. And this refers to announcing the good news of the gospel. When you think about it, when I think of an evangelist, I think of Billy Graham, who evangelizes, shares the gospel. When you hear the word evangelize or evangelism, what do you think about? You should think about yourself as an evangelist, sharing the good news. Who is the sower now? We looked at the importance of the seed last week. And that farmers and ranchers, they grab these dried seeds, even us, when we're going to do our vegetable gardens. We pick up these seeds and we, we believe that if we plant this in the ground, it's going to produce fruit, don't we? We can read the instructions on the back of the packet and apply it and do it because we believe what we're reading. Is that right? So we do it. Who are the sowers now, today, in this parable? Yeah, thank you. We are the sowers of the seed. And what is the seed that we are to sow? We are to sow the word of God. This is what he's talking about. But you have to believe the instruction in you on how to do it. How to plant the seed, how to water it. How to nurture it. Made me think about this week, about all the different soils and the ones that struggled. I kept praying about that, thinking it's bigger, it's more responsibility to a Christian. What are we to do with those that the seed falls on the side of the road? The ones that grow up with the thorns. Made me think about when Linda planted our first vegetable garden. We're all excited and look good, nice fresh soil. Two days later, oh my goodness, here were all these weeds. And for the whole summer, all we did was pull out weeds. Pull out, how did they get there? It's unbelievable. But we carried on. We wanted that crop. We wanted to eat the fruit. So all week I was thinking about these other soils. Do we abandon people once we've shared Christ with them or help them through something? I don't think we should. We should... Help them weed out, weed through the life that they're facing. We're trying to help them change the bad habits that they're involved in. In verse 18 of chapter 8, it says, So take care how you listen. Jesus says, Take care how you listen. Are we really listening to the Word of God and the instructions it's giving us? As believers, we need to hear the Word, to listen carefully to the truth God tells us. If we're obedient and faithful to what we do know, then we should expect to see him answer our prayers. 
And we should be able to expect to see him use us to plant the seed. But if we're not faithful with what we know, then why should we expect him to answer our prayers and see lives changed? Hearing the word is a twofold responsibility. To receive is one. You receive the word of God, you're understanding it, and then to share it. That's what he's wanting to do through us. As believers, we have been given insight and the knowledge into the mysteries of the kingdom of God. How many of us like to follow instructions? You get your wife buys you a bookcase and says, I'd like you to assemble this or a table. How many of you take out the instructions and read them? Raise your hands. One, two, three, four, five, six. That's it, seven. I don't either. I think I'll look at the picture and I'll just start putting it all together. I get frustrated. I'd rather just press buttons if it's an electronic thing and figure it out as I go along. But there's a price to pay, isn't there? If we just rush into a situation without knowing what we're really doing, having the right tools around us, we get things wrong. And by the time we look back at it and try and undo it all again, we've wasted time, but we try and do it correctly. We try and follow the instructions. Like Linda was saying, you know, this is not standing straight. You, know, you need to get it more balanced. The consequences are usually not that serious. It's just a little bit warped or it leans to one side or your son's toys, wheels don't go around. But it's okay. But the price of rushing into a life situation is huge. Really huge. What if there were directions for the choices we make or need to make? What if we could avoid repeating past mistakes? What if there was a way of starting over again? Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He wants us to hear the word of God, to understand it and apply it to our lives, to read the instructions and follow them carefully. Because by doing that, you influence all those around you. But Satan is at work in this world. He's distracting our thoughts, filling our minds with uncertainty, doubtful thoughts to prevent our ears to hear the word of God. We need to be in the word, reading the word, trusting him. The last two Sundays I've asked, put a challenge out for you to Share with people, share with three people about Christ and what Christ done for you and for them. And I asked if you would share them with me. And I have an email here that I have permission to read. And a lovely story I'd like to read to you. It's from Connie Hurt. It says, I've been thinking a lot about talking to three people about Jesus. My cute husband makes it easier for me to talk about him to others. Here's the story. Twenty years ago, Lynn and I split up and we were going to get a divorce. We were having lots of trouble with our prodigal son and we were at odds with each other. At this time, Pastor Jake introduced us to God and the gift of his son, Jesus. We learned how to have a marriage God's way. My husband was such a changed man that after accepting Jesus, that I decided I wanted some of what he had. So I also accepted Jesus. If Jesus could change Lynn, I wanted it too. For these last 
20 years, Lynn brings me fresh flowers for my desk every Monday morning. Men, I think some of us are in a lot of trouble here. <laughs> it is his way of giving me a visual of his love for me. For, the last, for these past 20 years, Lynn brings me fresh flowers for my desk every Monday morning. These flowers attract attention from customers and they ask if it's my birthday or anniversary. And she says, so I get the chance to tell them the story of how Jesus changed my husband. And what a gift he, ha he has been to us, that is Jesus. It doesn't take much prompting for me to talk about our Savior. Sometimes, sometimes there are less than three people in a week that ask about the flowers, and sometimes there are more. This opening has given me courage to talk more easily about Jesus to others. So, what I'd like to do here is Monument Bible Church has made this challenge coin. Do you remember a couple of Sundays ago I used the challenge coin to challenge you? And from that, that challenge coin is developed in the heart of Pastor Jake to create a challenge coin for those in our church that are worthy of receiving this. It's in recognition of your, de your demonstration of faithfulness and serious commitment to being a faithful disciple, a learner follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And also to serve as a challenge for you to fulfill the Great Commission by becoming and continuing to be a disciple maker for the glory of God. I'd like to present this to Lynn Hurt. Thank you, sir. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that story. A disciple follower of Jesus Christ. That's what God is asking us to do. But like you saw on the screens, these words that we hear that Satan plants in us to make us think and worry about money, work, debt, income, family needs, marriage, children, parents, sickness, pain, and death robs us of our joy, brings anxiety to our lives. Our hearts become down. We're uncertain. We then allow fear to creep into our lives. Then temptation comes. To show us another way to release us of our responsibilities. Think about it, men. Look around the world today and see how many people have relinquished their responsibilities. He also tells us these are answers to your stress that you're living. Let's take drugs, let's drink some alcohol, sex. Spending your money on material things that don't satisfy, really. Buy some more. Listening to wrong kinds of music. Watching TV on the wrong channels. Watching movies we shouldn't watch. Who needs to get married? Let's just live together. You know, this is not working out. Let's get divorced. I'll get another one. All these are packaged in a way that is so deceptive and acceptable around the world today. We need to listen very carefully to these faithful instructions of Jesus Christ. 
These will make, this will stop you from sinning. It will help you break everything that's got a hold of you. If you don't listen to his words, these temptations will come and you will follow and then you will feel more lost, desperate. This couple I met with were lost. They were desperate. And a number of these items I read out, one was involved in. Everything comes crushing down on you and your family. And the family, that's what I was really impressed with. The family got together and brought them to me and sat in the room and said, please, would you help? When you face these storms of life, you need to come forward. I cannot help you, but I know the one that can. And he wants to help you. He wants to show you his promises. He wants you to receive them. So let's take a look at Luke chapter 8. And I want you to allow yourself to picture this picture here and put yourself in the boat as the disciples. Okay? This is what I do when I'm reading through the Bible. I want to think about what these men are going through. What is this whole thing about? How does it affect me personally in my life? So I'll read from verse 23 to 25. It says, Now now on one of those days, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat, and he said to them, Let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep. And a fierce gale of wind descended on the lake, and they began to be swamped and to be in danger. They came to Jesus and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he got up and rebuked the wind and the surging waves, and they stopped. And it became calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? They were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? Let us go over to the other side of the lake. That's what he said to them. Where is your faith? The Sea of Galilee is about 680 feet below sea level. It is the lowest freshwater lake on the planet. Surrounded by high rolling hills, the wind funnels down from those hills and is able to swirl on the lake and create a violent storm. Life-threatening storms. Relatively in a very, very short time. So it comes upon them very quickly. So when you look at pictures like this, and you see something like that, what kind of storm were these fishermen facing? And these are fishermen. These disciples know the water. It's probably their boat. In 1992, the winds from such a storm generated waves 10 feet high that crashed into the city of Tiberias on the western shore, inflicting considerable damage. 10 feet high. It took me back to Zimbabwe when I was about 19. I took a my buddy and I in a boat, his dad's boat, and we went on Lake Kariba. It's about 365 kilometers long, also surrounded by hills and big mountains and, and gorges. So we decided to go halfway across this lake 
to the Sonyari Gorge to catch these tiger fish. And we took extra fuel with us and drums. We had it at the back of the boat. So we headed out there. We got into the gorge. We were fishing. And all of a sudden, this storm started to come through the gorge. And we both thought, this is not looking good. Let's make a run for it. Let's try and beat the storm. So we did. But as we started going, those waves started to pick up as the storm was catching us. And the drums on the back started bouncing, and they started to rub and bounce on the fuel line. And it pinched it. And we started to run out of fuel. We filled the, the tanks up again, and eventually we ran out. And we only got halfway across. No fuel, and this storm hit us. The waves were breaking right over this boomy weekend boat. Everything inside the cabin, everything was floating out into the lake. And we spent the whole period of that afternoon and the whole night with just some water skis trying to row. As the wave picked us up and dropped us down, then we could row a bit. But it got us nowhere. We landed up in Zambia, had boarded this lake, a country that would have seen us as spies or terrorists, and we could have been in a lot of trouble. But we found a capenda boat that towed us back to the shoreline. But I remember sitting on that boat throughout the night, and I did not know the Lord Jesus as my Savior. Death was at my door. I was frightened, I was cold, I was wet, I was helpless in that storm. I don't know what to do. Here these disciples are sitting in a storm which some of us don't picture. We read the word and don't allow our imagination to picture or look into it. Why were these guys so frightened? But they had Jesus in the boat. And he said to them, let us go over to the other side of the lake. And they allowed their fear to get on top of them. Here they are with Jesus and he goes to sleep. Do you see how human he is? He is tired. He goes to sleep. Another parts of scripture says he thirsts. He gets hungry. This is the humanity of Christ you see here. And in this incident of Jesus sleeping is only found in Luke. Jesus is resting how can he just rest in the, in the storm like this? I remember Jesus is the son of God. He's a man just like these disciples there on the boat. But Jesus is trusting in his father's plan. His knowledge of his father, his sovereign power and ability to calm the wind and the waves. And then so should we. We should have the faith and the trust in our sovereign God to get us through the storms of life. God's word tells us. He's given us faithful instructions. God is bigger than our worries. The disciples should have been encouraged, not afraid, because they had Jesus in the boat. They'd seen what he had done. They'd seen the power that he did have. They should have been encouraged, not afraid. What we read about Jesus' divine power here is to move you to a genuine faith. A stronger faith. It's an incredible story. Huge storm. We should be able to remain untroubled in our storms, trusting and believing in Jesus to help us through it. So, what was their problem at the time? And as I thought about that, 
It's the same as today. God's people know the word of God. But we do not believe it when we face the storms of life. We have knowledge of the word of God. But we don't actually believe it. Learning about the truth is one thing, but living it out is quite different. And you know, God tests us. All the time. He tests our faith. He challenges us to see how we respond. What are we dependent on? And He reveals it to you by the way you respond. Now think about it. All that you've heard and read about Jesus and pictured in your minds. And so now you are the disciples. And Jesus gives you an instruction today when you go home. He says, let us go over to the other side of this lake. What does that look like today? Well, for me, he said, Wayne, I want you to launch out with your family to go to England. Okay. And now I want you to go to South Africa, go back. Later on, he said, now I want you to go to Zimbabwe. And later on, he said, now I want you to go to Ireland. And now I want you to go to America to study the word of God more, to know me more. And then after that, now I want you to be a pastor of a church. But even through the midst of that, I had to hold on to the truth. He says in Joshua to Joshua, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong. Why does he say that when Joshua is taken over from Moses, because the storms of life are coming. Because you're dealing with people. And you're dealing with Satan. And what he's up to in his power to break you. To disrupt the word of God. To disrupt the flow. Joshua had a huge responsibility coming up. And God says to him, I'll be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong. Be courageous. Don't be afraid. Right in the first part of the chapter. So as the Lord speaks, as you hear that inner voice, believe and be obedient. It made me think about our missionaries. When you read missionary stories, I have a resource here called Bridgeco, a great book of a guy that heard God say, let's go. And he went, didn't join any mission agency. He went out to reach these people. Fantastic, true story. But in this book, you cannot believe it. And what I love about books like this and God Smuggler, I love how they relate, how they communicate with God, how they speak truly about their situation, the circumstance they're facing, how they talk to God about it. This guy goes out into the jungle to find this tribe. He is doing God's work. He is fired up, and then he gets a spear in him. Then they're going to hang him up in the tree to... Do something with him much later. And he's sitting there going, God, I came here to do this for you. What is going on? What did I get wrong? Why is this happening to me? Storms. Storms. Got to read the book to hear the end of the story. (laughs) Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20.
You know, following Jesus and his faithful instructions is awesome. It's exciting. He loves you so, so much. It's unbelievable. And you know what he wants to show you? You wouldn't even imagine. What I just shared with you there on that bit of journey with God, I, I never knew what was coming next. I don't know. He never does tell us. And I, sometimes I'm grateful because I think I would fall apart. But he gives you just the right amount you need to do with him at the right time. And he places you in the right place at the right time. But you have to be obedient and on time yourself. It says there in verse 90, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. You. All of you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Promise. That's his promise. If you obey him. If you do this. You've got nothing to be frightened of. Yes, the storms will come. Yes, those words you saw. Money, work, income, family needs, marriage, children, parents, direction. Yep, hit me over and over and over. But he's saying there, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the, Son, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. You can trust him. His love for you is unconditional. But that love that he is abiding in you with, guess what, that wants to come out with the person and people you're going to meet. The disciples say, Master, Master, we are perishing. Oh my God, I need you. As I read this inside of my margin, the Bible I wrote there, underlined it each time I had to say that to the Lord. The storms of life are real, yes. But he's trusting you. I'm trusting him and what he says. I give back his promises. Lord, you said you'd never leave me and forsake me. I feel like you are now. I'm struggling to answer these questions and I get asked by my family, friends, in my own thoughts. I've said this many times as I waited on the Lord. Times I've wondered if he is sleeping, but he's not. I've cried out to him, days seeking to save me from myself, from these thoughts that I have, that is opening a door. Like John the Baptist, I still can't get over that. Sending his disciples to say to Jesus, are you the one? It's real. It's real. God calls me to be a leader of my family. He calls you to be leaders of your family as well. They are trusting you as you sail on with the Lord. They're going to follow you, your family. That's why I was so impressed reading, getting into this this week and this family that brought the other part of the family into my office. They're not just leaving them out there to figure it out. They thought they were saved. They were not. That's why their life was in such disarray. See, people, your family will follow you as a leader of Christ. 
as you follow Christ. And Jesus says, as their uncertainty and their, the storm was overweighing them, he says, where is your faith? Mark 8, 26, he puts it this way. He says to them, why are you afraid, you men of little faith? Mark 4, 440, he puts it this way. Why are you afraid? How is it that you have no faith? So look at these men. These are men following. They are disciples of Jesus Christ. It starts making me pray, Lord, prepare me. Give me courage. Help me to be brave and courageous for what I need to face things coming up. Why are you afraid? Don't be afraid. This is the key question for all of us. Are we trusting God's promises? Or are we trusting ourselves, our ability in our knowledge about life? Are we trusting God's promises or are we trusting ourselves, our ability and our knowledge about life? A lot of people are living their life. They have been told or brought up, this is the way the world's been. This is the way it's got to be done. Have you ever wondered why it seems so difficult for Jesus' disciple Thomas, commonly known as Doubting Thomas, why was, why was it so hard for Thomas to believe? Why was it so hard for him to believe the testimony of his other disciples, his friends, when they told him, Jesus has risen? Why wasn't that good enough to listen to his friends? He had actually seen firsthand the Lord crucified. And in the face of that stark reality, I can more easily understand that Thomas had a very hard time believing the news from his other disciples because quite literally it was good news. It was actually too good to be true. He couldn't get his head around this good news. He has risen? Now, how can that be? How many of you sitting here today are thinking the same thing? You agree that Jesus was a person and did walk on earth and did what the history book says? You agree what's recorded in the Bible? But he rose again and he ascended to heaven. Do you struggle like Thomas with that? Do you struggle with what I'm sharing with you this morning? about Jesus being able to calm the wind, the storm, immediately, rebuke them. Do you struggle because you haven't experienced or encountered what other believers share with you? I wondered why Jesus seemed to answer Thomas so harshly. And then I thought about it more and more. Jesus isn't just answering Thomas He's speaking to you and I. You see, faith, after all, is hard. And believing something you haven't seen is even harder. But look at his answer here. But Jesus said to Thomas, Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. 
When I got to share the gospel this week, this man says to me, all I have to do is believe? I said, yeah. Jesus also said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. In the Sunday school class that I taught there, that is a great class to go to. Josh Lively normally does it. It's a DVD series. Wow. It's fantastic. This guy's in Israel. And I want you to turn with me to John chapter 14, verse 6. I want you to circle this word. It really stood out to me in this class more than ever. In John chapter 14, verse 6 says, I am the way. What does way mean to you? I am the way. As I listen to it in this class, I am the way. It's a way of life. I am the way. I am leading you if you follow me. Is your way of life representing Christ? Are you really showing that you are an ambassador of Christ, a disciple follower? I am the way. You follow me. He said that to his disciples, didn't he? He just meet them and say, follow me. And they did. I am the way. I'm also the truth. This is faithful instructions. And the life. If you believe this, follow my way, and listen to the truth, I'm also going to give you an amazing life. It's an incredible life to follow Jesus. To be obedient. If you, if you choose not to do this, you cannot get to the Father. You cannot get to heaven. It is time for us to listen and believe and really believe these faithful instructions. In verse 24, he said, And he got up and rebuked the wind and the surging waves, and they stopped, and it became calm. So then, in this, he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. When I was fishing with my sons down in the Florida Keys, we got out there to chase the tarpon, and a storm started to pick up. And this guide said to us, Listen, we can turn back and race the storm back to shore, or we can drive straight into the eye of the storm and sit in it until it blows over. And then we fish. So we decided we'll go for the eye of the storm. We got in there, boy, the waves were huge. We huddled up together. It was cold rain. Do you remember that, Scott? And what a, we, this stranger, this guy, was just awesome, hugging my two little boys. And I fell apart. I got seasick, apathetic, embarrassing in front of my sons. But thank goodness for this man holding on to my boys because I was like, oh, terrible. But you know, that wind blew and the storm and it kept passing us, but the waves did not. They just kept going and going and going and making me feel sick. But he stopped and became calm. How do you stop that huge lake? Just poof. Mark records Jesus saying, Hush! Be still. And instantly obeying the voice of the Creator, it became still. Wind and sea became calm instantly. 
This was the first miracle, if you think about it, that involved the disciples personally. Every other miracle they had seen was to do with other people. Sick, demon-possessed, blind. They were just observers. That this had to do with their life, their survival. God is going to do that with you. You're going to see, if you trust and follow His way, Him pull you out of some amazing storms. And you can only glorify Him. I remember a South African friend of mine phoning me and saying they'd been in this El Nino drought for so long. And they called Angus Buchan to come and pray for rain in the stadium where I used to go watch rugby and cricket. And he said to me, Wayne, have you heard of this guy? And I hadn't at the time. He said, well, he gets farmers, he gets black, white, colored, everybody together. He's a farmer and he trusts in the Lord and he prays for peace and for rain. He said, well, we invite him to come and pray in our place to pray for rain and peace. And he said, I want you to hear something. We haven't had rain for over two years. And he stuck the phone out the window. He says, it hasn't stopped raining. It's just pouring with rain. You know, when I hear these things, when I read this, what Jesus did there, look at the picture. And I want to thank my wife for doing all these awesome pictures to help try and get you there. Got to picture yourself and how powerful he is. He's the creator and he can show himself if he wills. The lesson for the disciples and for us is very clear here. We are to trust the Lord even in the most severe and threatening circumstances. Peter wrote, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares. Hello? There we go. Try this. He's asking us to launch out in faith and believe. He's saying, hold on tight. He's saying, let's go to the other side of the lake. What would that mean to you personally? If he was to say that today, and he could be saying, let's go next door. Let's go talk to your neighbor. Why don't you go into the other office? Let's go and talk to that person in the office. Let's go. The scripture says, if you do not know him, you are lost and you do not have him. Your boat is empty. Your life is empty. You have no one to save you unless you have Jesus Christ. I felt that on that boat on that lake. It's a horrible feeling. I've never felt alone since I invited Jesus into my life. The scripture says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How can I help you if you don't come forward? How can Jesus help you if you won't call upon him? You need to humble yourselves. 
And don't sit here every Sunday after Sunday if you're unsure if you really know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I was so saddened to hear how long the couple had been in this church. And they did not know him personally. Like Thomas. Doubt. God is real, so real. But it's your choice to confess and come before him. Jesus died because he cares for you. He loves you. He can calm the storm that you are now in. Those who hear the word of God and go and do it, we saw in verse 21, the Hebrew word shema, which means hear so as to do. Hear so as to do. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him, and he with me. Hear so as to do. It's your choice today. So in closing, I'd like to ask you, there's two ways of responding here. One, those that know and believe in Jesus Christ need to launch out and take that source of life that's in your hands that you're holding in the pew there is the Bible, the Word of God. This is the source of life. And hold on tight. It's an amazing ride. But you will go through storms because you have Jesus on board. You have nothing to fear. So you can launch out. He abides in you. Go and share about Jesus and all those to all those around you, like Connie is doing. And the second one is for those that do not know Jesus, who've been sitting and maybe not responded to the knocking on their heart to invite him in. Now's the time to come forward and do it. If you're not living the way that Jesus is saying. You know in yourself where you stand personally. You need to confess with your mouth, call on the name of the Lord, and you will be saved. Will you pray with me? As you sit in silence here, for anybody that is feeling the knock on the door of their life, please respond. God, you can change everything. And those kings that face no water and for the troops and the animals, you said this is a small matter for the Lord. And the angel told Mary that nothing will be impossible for God. No matter the storm we face, you can change everything. You calmed the storm on the sea before the disciples' eyes. You spoke the universe into existence, placed the stars in the sky. You sent your Son to redeem us. And your word says, why should any living man complain when punished for his sins? So let us search out and examine our ways and let us return to the Lord. Scripture also reminds us to watch and pray so that we will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus, you know your word is true. We know. We have been called, having been loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ. 
Father, we ask that you will take all of us. That we may stand with you one day and hear you say, Welcome, you good and faithful servant. Paul wrote on his last days, The Lord will rescue you, well, sorry, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. I pray everyone in this room, Lord, may know this in their heart. And Lord, that you would receive their confession, their invitation to be a part of their life, to invite you in. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Love the ushers come. Whoa.